Mike Shope here with Adam Krautwurst. The numbers are starting to pile up. So we are almost to summer, officially anyway. In reality, we've been in summer for a couple of weeks up here. And the number of leagues and drafts that people are in, like the guy over here to the left of your screen, they're starting to uh, be well into the double digits. Maybe the triple digits are possible. We'll discuss. It's why we are called the deep end. Adam, what number of leagues qualifies you for deep end status? Oh, well, that's a, okay. So that's interesting. Uh, I think it's a dollar value because you can play in like these, they have these $5 best balls. If you do 50 of those, that does, that does not count as deep end status. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, that's I, the part I, of the pool where you can sort of touch. <laughs> that's right. But you that's can right. breathe. You can sort of stay like when you get to be, my kids are 11 and nine and they're at the point where they can sort of, well, a couple of years ago, they were at the point where they can touch the bottom of the pool and stand up. That's $55 leagues. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you know, I think that the edge is like all these. I don't know if you've done any underdog drafts yet. The best ball mania, those are really fun, but those are 25 bucks. So I think you probably got to do, I don't know, 40 of those to be deep end status, maybe a thousand dollars. Sure. Yeah. Enough to buy three NHL jerseys. <laughs> That's right. That's you know, right. authentic. Authentic, of course. Yeah. How yeah. much does it cost to make? A real NHL jersey, ten bucks. They sell them know. for three hundred, and they're really not like I don't know. I don't mean to offend you if you have a ton of them, but I don't feel like you can't really wear those anywhere, can you? Like outside of a game, they're kind of not really that attractive. You wear them, you wear them to games, and then you wear them to, uh, yeah, I don't know, not to to work, <laughs> right? There you go. <laughs> Depending on your job, but I think maybe after this podcast, we should retire and start making NHL jerseys. I feel like that's also a good idea. Well, we have um, a lot of exciting things to talk about. We've been off for a little bit, but we will talk about some drafts that we've been in. Adam and I were in one together on Memorial Day, and uh, so that'll be cool. And right now, like, so what is the deep end player? Like, what is middle of June, Adam? Is it um, there's no rest period, right? There's no break. So what are you doing right now? Are you drafting obsessively? Are you reading OTA reports? Are you taking a break? Yeah, no, no breaks. I'm taking a break actually right now, this moment from the football guys drafts um, only because it becomes monotonous at this point. Like we've done the same, like, so I'm 10, I'm 10 football guys drafts deep and it becomes, you know, uh, the same players going in the same spots and you're really just looking to get certain exposure to certain players and, and areas and it kind of becomes boring. So, um, and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of the sharks are drafting right now. So you're really not getting a lot of EV going uh, drafted in, in May and June. So, um, so I'm taking a break from those, but I, so I'm doing a lot of these underdogs, a lot of these RT sports, $20 best ball championships uh, to get my fix in. But those are, you know, uh, much, much less, uh, cost than than the than the three fifty football guy. So no, there's no there's there's no breaks. I feel like every day there's a piece of news or a piece of information that makes me want to go draft a player or a stack or something to get some exposure to it. So um, yeah, I feel like I'm always I'm always got got my toes in the water. Well, what about you? 
Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, I feel like if you're drafting in June, you are hardcore. You're probably also exhausted because you've been drafting the whole time because no one else will be drafting in June. As far as that news goes, this will test your point a little bit because it's the Jets. Yeah. So Jamison Crowder got a restructured contract from the Jets today. I thought maybe that wouldn't happen, not just because of the money, but because of how they drafted with Mims last year. Different coach, yes, but same GM. And then Elijah Moore this year, plus Corey Davis. Crowder seems, well, he was anyway, way too expensive for what role he was likely to have. And now that's been, the money's been reduced, but he's still there. So how do you rank the Jet receivers? Yeah, um, I don't understand why he's still there. Like, um, J- Jameson Crowder, you were speaking to. Like, he's a good receiver. Um, and, you know, there's talk about, oh, well, the um, he'll be able to make more money next year because the salary cap is going up. But I can't imagine him having a great year this year, and upcoming year, in an offense where they just drafted a receiver in uh, in the second round, I think, I think it was, um, who is having a great camp and plays the, plays the slot. So, and so he took a big pay cut to stay there. I don't know what the deal is there. I, I feel like he could have gone somewhere else and had a better year, but um, I do like Crowder, but I think Mims is probably Mims is the odd man out there. I feel like, um, you know, they didn't, this new regime didn't draft him. Um, you know, they brought in Corey Davis to play that same, same kind of role and Keelan Cole uh, who has, been running with, with the ones in the off season. So um, I think Mims probably last there. Um, and, uh, and Cole's, I got a sleeper that I've been taking late. And again, the jets offense is a, is a, is a receiving core that is, you can stack late in these, these best ball leagues um, for next to nothing. Now they're not a, they're not a league winning stack, but um, you know, they've got that high, um, they have a high floor. One of them's going to get, you know, they're going to be losing most of the year, right? So one of them's going to get you 80 yards and a score every single week, and you can get them for basically free, all, all of them. So, um, so yeah, I really like stacking the Jets. It's it's not uh, easy to do now because, again, you don't know um, you don't know how the receiving core is, is going to shake out yet. But I think as we get closer and as we get in camp, we'll kind of find that out. But, um, but yeah, I think I like Corey Davis as their, as their alpha one uh, with Mims kind of the, kind of the, the odd man out. I think Mims is where you really have to wonder what they're thinking. Plus, with the with the Crowder news, but Elijah Moore would be my number one for me. Still, you're yeah. always trying to sort of evaluate what does the how, which way is the wind blowing? How are people talking about these players and these teams? And if you're drafting all the time, like you are, and I aspire to do, and the people who are you know deep end serious deep end people like. You're drafting all the time. There would be a dip on more that would come right after when he sort of peaked because there was a lot of Elijah Moore hype last week and there was a, th- a sense that uh, Crowder would go. So I feel like Davis is Davis. You know, he's okay and he'll continue in the league after the year he had in Tennessee, this, the money he got for the Jets. I think Mims is iffy. I think the most important thing here might be that the GM is seemingly well-respected Douglas. Yeah. I, I think he has a pretty good reputation and he doesn't draft Elijah Moore to relegate him behind players like Keelan Cole and even Jameson Crowder. So I would still want to be on more. And I think as I alluded to in the beginning, 
I think there might be a slight opportunity on him. You know, rookies have been valuable. Like, they've been prosperous. And, you know, there might also be a sense that um, that's sort of a a once-in-a-while thing. But I I feel like that's the the trend. I think these guys are so good. And the way the offenses are melding and being more like college offenses, I think Elijah Moore is a a perfect example of a player who can beat projections as a rookie. Yes. And right now he's going in the 11th round in the FFPC uh, so, um, yeah, I think he's their number one receiver being taken. Uh, I, I can go look here, but, um, cool. you know what else, Adam, by the way, you know what else? Yeah. Like, isn't there sort of a, a, a feeling that overrides where it's the jets where it's just like hashtag it's the jets, you know, like yeah. it, it won't work out. Wilson is unproven. Wilson was the second pick, but more people thought he was the third or fourth best. Yeah. Another, another potential opportunity. Yeah, yeah, they're both going in the eleventh and the eleventh round. It, yeah, and I, I think they're they, they like using the receivers out of the slot. And yeah, and we'll see. You know, Zach Wilson's got a big arm; he can sling it. So that's gonna be interesting to see how that how that shakes out. Well, these are all. This is just the tip of the iceberg of the names we're gonna need to know for the bare knuckle challenge. Oh, holy man. cow! So <laughs> I had this idea last year. I thought I had thought of something original, but I guess coined not. It? You thought you thought it was coined. Yeah, I thought I had something original. I didn't have the name. We, I was calling it the Naked Draft, which close enough. The name has its own merits. Yeah, but you would not be able to take a phone or any notes into the room, and you would have to draft however many rounds, sort of a standard thing, and then uh, you put your own knowledge and your experience up on the table against everybody else, but you don't have anything to look at. So the bare knuckle FFPC event in Vegas, which to make matters worse or more challenging, I guess, will be after the Thursday night opener. Right. And holy cow, 28 rounds with just a board, no notes, no phone, no laptop, nothing. I mean, I think I am the man for that, but it's a lot. Like that is going to be a big challenge and I can't wait. Yeah, 60 second timer, right? So, um, 30. I feel like I just looked it up. Is it 60? 60? Okay. It is 60. I it was 30. Okay. Um, Good. Either way, it's, it, it's fast. <laughs> either right. way, it's fast. And yeah, it's going to be wild because, you know, we'll have to. So, you and I are going in the team. It's going to be, think, you know, figure out who wants to go, who's going to go first. We're only allowed to swap one, one time. Yeah. So, who's going to go first? Who's going to go second? How long is the first person going to go? You know, um, obviously, because we are the deep end, we're going to reach out to last year's champ and get some get some tips and pointers from from him or her. You know, um, and figure out like, you know, do you just focus on stacks that way you don't forget the players that you're trying to get? You know, because how do you focus on guy like what if someone forget is forgotten about? You know, how long how many rounds do they fall before you before someone snags them up? So that which, which brings us back to the Jets. Right, that's right, that's right. Which brings us back to the Jets and all the receiving core is not going to be drafted. So, um, but, but yeah, so it's, it's going to be a blast. That's right after um, the Thursday night game. So uh, we'll all, we'll be all hopped up, ready. We're ready to go. I have a friend who was out there for FFPC drafts. I'm not sure if this was four or five years ago, but it was the Kareem Hunt game. Yes. I, I was there for that. And then he went from middling mid round rookie 
to much higher than that when Spencer Ware got hurt in August. Yep. To 101. Yep. The day after that game against New England. He fumbles on his first play and then yep. an 80 yard touchdown catch. Kansas City looks amazing. They win at Foxborough and everybody wanted Kareem Hunt. He did lead the league in rushing, I believe. Yep. Uh, that year. So at least that's an example of how that Thursday night game can mess with. <laughs> and that's not just this, but the main event. I mean, you draft the main event. In that example, you drafted in July, and Kareem Hunt is Chuba Hubbard. And right. then you, you drafted in late August, and he's third round, and then you drafted in the, the day after the opener, and he's 101. Yeah, I remember that game ended. You know, the chatter at the, at the dinner table is like, oh, my gosh, where's he going to go? Where's he going to go? So, you know, as soon as the game ends – you know, you head over to the draft room because that's where the next, the drafts are literally starting right after the game. And, um, and you know, you kind of wait around and there you go. The 101 was Kareem Hunt and a couple drafts. I don't think he went lower than the third overall pick the rest of the weekend. So wow. uh, it was, and, and you know what, that was one of those times where it was justified. He ended up, you know, you ended up getting, um, you know, that price. It, it worked out for you. So yeah, it's going to be super interesting doing, doing the bare knuckle, I'm excited. We'll have a we'll have a lot of strategy to, to talk about between between now and then. I'm not sure it's connected, but it is Kansas City. Clyde Edwards Hilaire last year, after having been the first pick, you get into the later drafts and he was going in the first round. He would be like maybe picks six to eight in most of those drafts. That did not pan out. He's interesting this year. We're gonna look at a, a couple of recent football guys championships drafts, one of which we were both in. And then we'll, we'll check out and see what's happening and some strategies, some players here from the boards. So if you want to do that, Adam, yeah, yeah. on Memorial Day, so I guess I got myself into trouble here and then maybe you by extension. Memorial Day is my favorite holiday. <laughs> there, It is 80 and sunny here in Western New York, yep. almost always. It's a beautiful day. It's the beginning of summer, which is a celebratory occasion around here. Yep. The holiday has important importance and meaning to it that I like to respect. We sometimes will do a, a Grand Island town event at the DeGlopper Memorial statue in the morning and sort of, you know, enjoy that and meet people that way. And then as the day progresses, you're, you're grilling hot dogs and swimming and there's no sort of Thanksgiving, like we have to go to aunt so-and-so's at four and you have to take a shower and you have to take a shower and you have to put a sweater on and like Thanksgiving is great. But yep. there is sort of a, a ritual to it in terms of family, I don't want to say obligations. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that sort of thing that isn't there on Memorial Day. Labor Day is great. It's the end of summer. July 4th is fine, but it has a little bit of that other thing and too hot. Anyway, this is not a show about ranking holidays. On Memorial Day, I sensed that sort of freedom and that, that feeling that I had of like, this is going to be a great day. And I decided to join a football guy's draft, tweeted it, texted you and another friend, Louie, Louie Gott, who was on the show recently. Yeah. Next thing I know, you're texting me two hours later. I'm still in the pool, right? <laughs> you're texting me. Everybody is doing this league. Yeah. And so you got, you got all the winners. You got everybody in your Rolodex that you've asked to come on this show. They jumped in here. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was, you know, the guilds was in there chasing the helmet is in here. Um, we've got, Jay and Scott, yep. uh, we got you, we got Abib, the, the, the back-to-back champ. I forget what team he is. Um, 
but he's in here too. I think it's We Gonna Win, FFPC 17. I think he's team 11 there. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the who's who came out for this Memorial Day draft, and uh, it was it was, it was was fun. I mean, um, and this is the only team. So I'm 10, I'm 10 teams deep. Uh, this is my only number one pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, of course, that, that was easy, Christian McCaffrey. Um, and it was funny. So I've been listening to um, – Abib just started a uh, Ed Batoba just started a, a podcast called First and Fifteen. You'll have to have to check that out. It's a high stakes podcast, kind of like ours, and he talks about the um, the kind of the, the trap of drafting at the at, at the one spot and the trap of having a team that looks like everybody else's team that drafts from the one spot. So again, we're we're in a we're in a league. Yes, it is contained in and of itself with our twelve teams, but also you know, we're, the goal isn't to win our league, right? The goal is to win the half million dollars because it's the football guys players championship. And if you've got a team that looks like, you know, 150 or 200 other number one teams that all have McCaffrey, Jefferson, Ridley, what like, then it's hard to separate yourself or differentiate yourself come big money time. Um, but I didn't care. I understood, you know, I, I know how that works, but um, I, I just, I'm not going to get that many number one overall picks. And I wanted to go McCaffrey, and then I wanted to load up on our receiver. So that's what I did um, at risk of falling into the trap. And I um, I really loved how my first couple rounds turned out. But we can get back to that. But so what? So where were you, Mike? You were picked. Uh, well, before we go to my team, I'm ten. But 10. Okay. what what exactly is the trap? How many receivers is it? Because after round five, you were done for a long time. Yeah. So the trap is kind of taking is going modified zero RB and going Christian McCaffrey and then just taking four or five receivers. Okay. Um, because unless, unless I was to have reached on the ADP there, right. So I took Jeff uh, to Justin Jefferson. Cause I love him. I think that that's the right spot for him. And then I took Calvin Ridley because at the time uh, there were whispers of Julio going to, to Seattle. So I would have taken Metcalf. So I took Ridley there. Cause I didn't, oh. I, I didn't, I didn't want to get stuck with, and the Metcalf and then having, you know, Julio there also. So, um, so I took Ridley and then, so if I would have reached and taken maybe like a Terry, Terry McLaurin or an Allen Robinson or an Amari Cooper, like, um, that way I'm pulling from, uh, from the other end of the third round so that my team doesn't look like all the other teams that are going to do the same, okay. uh, modified zero RB style. So that's the trap is, is, is for, cause I can guarantee you. So the, the cool thing about fantasy mojo website too, is you can go on there and you can, it's called stack finder and you can type in players from your team and it'll tell you how many other teams in the FFPC football guys have that, have those, have those players. So I, you know, I haven't done it yet, but I'm sure if I type in McCaffrey, Jefferson, Ridley, I'm not the only team. There's going to be probably a dozen or two dozen teams already right. that have that. So, um, so that's kind of the, the the trap is taking McCaffrey, then taking four receivers at ADP. But the thing that I struggle with is I want to build the team the way that I think it'll be most su- successful. You know, some people say, oh, well, you should go McCaffrey and then Swift and Dobbins because there aren't going to be a lot of people that have that. Well, if I don't like Swift and Dobbins, then I, I, you know, I have, I have a hard time doing that just to be contrarian. Um, so that's kind of where I struggle with it. Well, I think I'm with them. Yeah. Because one sort of fundamental, not disagreement, but sort of a divide between us is with all due respect to what you know and what other people who just grind at this so hard know, 
is there's, there's still a limit to what you can know. Sure. And with every one of these players, especially this early, there is an argument against them, but there's also an argument for them, even in round one. I mean, if you look at the running backs in round one, after Dalvin Cook, maybe, you got a bunch of guys where some people think it could go wrong. I mean, there's a reason to think it could go wrong. It's about some people. It's like new quarterback, Barkley's injury, and so on. So you have Swift, and there's like this sort of Anthony Lynn-driven concern about Swift's workload at this point. And then Dobbins is always like, he's always great, but what about the situation? And, you know, yeah, I mean, maybe it's better than 50-50 to bet against those guys in those exact draft positions. But I think the more important thing is probably, and I'm no one to tell you this, I mean, you've done many more of these than I have. It seems like the, the, the overriding point is positions and how to build it. And, you know, you, you nuance that with stacks and bye weeks and whatever else matters. And then if you're in the same tier, you're okay after that. And Swift and Dobbins, maybe Dobbins is sort of borderline for where you were. But after Dobbins, I mean, you see that drop off in every draft. Yes. Miles Sanders, Jacobs, Montgomery, Carson, those guys, like there's more serious questions about them. So what you what you what mattered most to you, I think, was receivers. Yes. And to sort of pound that. And then you must have had an eye on Matthew Stafford the whole day. Yeah, that was I took him like probably a round or two early because I needed to have him to make it not to make it work, but to you know, to make it work for for me for the for the kind of the strategy that I was doing there. Um, you know, Ferks or Hertz with Julio going there. So that was a that was a tight end that I really liked. Uh really liked getting there. Ferks or Hertz, but Johnu Smith got hurt today. Did he? Yeah, in, in practice, hamstring. Oh wow, okay. okay. We don't know how bad it is. I mean, okay. Henry's also been hurt already, but right, yeah, Henry, Henry, Henry stays hurt. If if you don't put the ball on the spot, your receivers are going to get hurt. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So a, a thing that I love doing, and I want to get your because there's so many different takes on this too. Is so I love, and I think we had we had texted about this a little bit. Is I love taking a guy like Tony Pollard with Christian McCaffrey or even Delvin Cook, because to me, you know, if Zeke goes down, Pollard has proven. You know, I think Pollard played one, maybe two games last year without Zeke, and he had like 30 fantasy points. Um, you know, if, if Zeke goes down, especially late in the season, if McCaffrey's healthy, and now you've got another top five running back, possibly, depending on the, on the matchups, that's what helps you kind of win a half a million bucks. Um, what do you think about, you know, I think we've talked about this before, is what do you think about taking Tony Pollard when you don't, have Zeke as kind of a uh, taking a bullet at uh, at getting another top five running back. Well, I would never take him if I had Zeke. Okay. But I feel like Pollard is probably better than Elliott. It just, I mean, that's a PFF point. Yep. yep. Uh, so no offense, but <laughs> I mean, Pollard is probably the better player, but Elliott had the high draft status and then he got the money. Yep. So if they had a different coach, if they had an interesting sort of smart, edgy coach, then I might think Pollard could really play and Elliott could just stand on the sideline, but they don't. They have the sort of the prototype sort of old thinking kind of coach who would never get to that conclusion. I, so you're probably right to think that Elliott would have to get hurt for Pollard to step up. But I mean, yeah. Pollard is a great idea. I mean, you're in these middle rounds or what is that round eight? That's eight, 12. Uh, yes. 
So you're at the point where pretty much everybody by now is iffy. I know you didn't like my my third running back at all in in Connor. Connor. So the the arguments are there for against almost every running back out, outside of like eight. And Pollard, like A.J. Dillon or Madison or Henderson, you sort of need to um, have that sort of lucky break. But that is how money gets won. I mean, you and I met through doing that Draft Sharks Invitational podcast, and we talked to Pete Overzet twice. He's like, look, Mike Davis. Right. And so that was a huge advantage for him. And, I mean, Pollard is more – Madison was here last year, maybe also Pollard, more obvious in that sort of handcuffy way uh, than the guys who might eventually make the difference in these things. But I think you're asking me if he's a good pick. I'm fine with Pollard. I have lots of them. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I want to talk about quick before we move on to your team is, you know, I know when you do – and I have a zero RB team that I drafted. I have queued up here if we want to talk about it but later. But, you know, the thing about going zero RB or going modified zero RB is you really want to – the thing to really do when you do that is to to nail the onesie position. So whenever you – if you're not going to take a running back for six or seven rounds, you want to take an elite quarterback and or an elite tight end. Uh, to kind of compensate for that. Cause you're not going to take, you know, you really shouldn't take seven straight receivers because a, you're not maximizing the value there. And B you, ne- you're just not going to, you're never going to start the top four receivers that you have every single week. You know, you just, it's just impossible to get that, to get that down every single week where you're going to start those guys. So you want to pop in an, an elite quarterback or an elite tight end there just to be able to, to, to lock down that, that, that position. I didn't, and I didn't do that. I wish I would have, maybe taking a tight end earlier. I'm trying to look back and see where I possibly could have done that because the tight ends went on the went on the other end of the draft. But And this isn't really a true zero RB or even modified because I took a bunch of them in six, round six through eight. But that's that's the key really is if, you, if you'd if you go zero RB, you really want to nail uh, quarterback or and or tight end because, uh, again, with seven straight receivers, you're not going to get the starting lineup right every every single week. So that's the only other thing I probably wish I would have done for this for, for this draft. But I mean, you had you had that option when you're on the turn. It's tough because yeah. you're you're looking at ADP and you're thinking, uh, let's see, I'm in I'm at seven oh one. This is really early for Higby or Irv Smith, but you kind of sure. like them, and then you have to pick. Do I want to sort of subject myself to picking these guys 10 to 15 spots earlier than they're usually going. I, I feel like when my, my draft in team 10, that was a priority for me with Hawkinson because yeah, so I, I would draw. Hawkinson. Yeah. I would draw a line. I draw a line closer to sort of Hawkinson up with the top three than I would lower. I feel like he yes. is really primed to be among the top three three tight ends, you know, three, four, I think four is pretty, pretty good, pretty safe. So uh, yeah, I was no, happy I, for him at, with him at three ten. I, my mistake is that you see my draft. I went tight end at three quarterback at five. And then I was in too big of a hurry. I think to double up on those uh, with John o. Smith and Brady, but those are both guys that I think are good value. So I couldn't resist. Yeah, no, I like I do like John who hopefully that hamstring. Uh, I have John <laughs> in a bunch of drafts too. So, um, but and to your point about Connor, I've actually been coming around on James Connor. I think the thing so his ADP is eight ten. 
So that's, I, I didn't love taking him around early. Like he's not a type of guy that I would reach for, but he could certainly be a rock solid RB two weekend and weekend. Like I don't think he's dead. Like I think he probably has some tread left. Um, their offensive line can't be worse than the Steelers were last year. So um, you know he's he's certainly their goal line back. Although Kyler Murray, you could argue that he's their goal line back. But mm-hmm. but yeah, James Conner is is one of those guys that I think you can get after kind of the trap backs like all those backs in the middle rounds that tend to, to tend to bust like i think he's a guy that you can get in the eighth ninth tenth round um like if you go christian mccaffrey or one you know if you go one running back early and take a bunch of receivers tight ends maybe a quarterback you can come back around and get james connor along with you know a couple other running backs after that like a you know, I don't know, Tony Pollard, Zach Moss, Jamal Williams, you take a bunch of them. And I think Connor, you can plug him in week one into your starting lineup as your RB2, yep. knowing that he's going to get some touches or probably get some goal line touches because you're going to load up at, at receiver. You're going to put all your receivers in the flex positions. You're going to have an elite tight end, an elite quarterback. But yeah, I'm starting to come around on James Connor for sure. I just would probably like to take him a little, a little bit later. Well, I like this pick a lot. I was very upset to see you uh, pan it as you did. <laughs> because, I mean, I think to Arizona, he's Kenyon Drake. Yes. He's somebody that they acquired who had some sort of a reputation in the league, and they sort of sneaked him through, and then they didn't draft anybody over him. And I, I feel like the right conclusion is that Edmonds is not more than what role he's been playing for Arizona. And I would – want to conclude here that those people think that. And so you have Connor who's been successful and yes, he was cheap, but I think Arizona could see him the way they saw Drake going into last year. Drake had those, what, two or three games the year before after they traded for him. And that was fresh in people's minds. And in draft sharks invitation, I picked him in the middle of round two. Yeah. Because, and that was not even early for Kenyon Drake last year. And it's possible that Connor is the same thing. So that's why I got there because Arizona is a good offense. We want it to be a little bit different, but they're good. And so I think he's on the field, you know, plenty. Yeah. And Chase Edmonds, you know, he's 208 pounds. He's five, you know, he's, he's not big. He, you know, he could certainly get, get injured and, you know, and Connor has proven before he can be an all round back, you know, so it just depends on if people, I think he's a guy that two weeks ago, you kind of could have gotten late eighth round. I think he's going to creep up a little bit only because people are going to be looking for that rock solid. I don't want to rock solid might not be the word, but a guy that they can throw into their RB two spot with four receivers, a tight end, a stud, sure. a stud tight end, a stud quarterback, a stud running back in the first round and, and feel comfy with it while they wait for their, late round running backs that they took flyers on to kind of come, come around. Sure. Especially once they see tonight's show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Connor just went, went flying. That's right. That, that's what we do. We change ADP on the show. Right. So this was a very interesting draft. I was happy with how I did under the circumstances with such tough competition, the late round running back plan. Yeah. So, You know, last year we met, and I didn't have any idea of what a team structure should look like. I was always going for best available. didn't matter to me at all how many running backs I should have, wide receivers I should have. just didn't matter. And so 
we did those drafts last year and I had that one draft with the Invitational with Kamara and Drake and sort of built it. Then I saw what happened. I mentioned Mike Davis already. You're talking about those running backs in the bottom half. And it seems like listening to more of the discussion this year, Adam, everybody wants to be in that zero RB or modified RB space. Yes. Like that seems to be, it almost is like starting with running backs is contrarian this year. And so if you're going to play that game, which it seems is sort of, it's very trendy at least, then you really need to know the most you can about who the right guys are in, what is it, rounds 10 and on or even 12 and on. Those, I mean, you can find backups. You can look up death charts and find backups, but um, there are going to be better plays than others among those players. Yeah, and it's really even about the role that that player plays, right? It's not even about like, how talented he is or whatever. It's about the role that the running backs going to play on that offense. Right. So if I'm going to go heavy receivers early and I need running backs just to fill into my running back spot that are just going to get me points early on in the season, because people forget too, they look at draft boards and they say, Oh, zero RB or oh, modified zero B. It's never going to work because your running backs stink or whatever. I, I prefer to stay away from it in best ball, but in, in, in lineup setting leagues, there's fab budget every year. You know, James Robinson, right. like there's play the, the whole basis of the strategy is to be able to pick up running backs off waivers. So you're super, you're super aggressive um with your fab budget or however, you know, what style of league that you play in to get those running backs to fill in. Like you're not just gonna stick with the guys that you have all, all year. So um, so you want running backs that are gonna catch the ball so that you've got a nice floor, a nice nine or 10 point floor every week. Um, and then you're looking for that running back off waivers that can really catapult your, your team. So I want to show this draft here that I, that I did kind of as an example of that. So I picked out of the five hole here, Mike, um, this is my eighth, my eighth team. So this was the, the draft I did right after, right after ours with the idea going in that if, if Wait, I was, gonna, uh, I'm sorry, uh, excuse me. Your team is draft guy. FBG eight, not purple monkey balls or dominate that ass. Is that what it's you're telling not, me? It's not dominate the purple monkey. I didn't even notice that until you said that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm frankly disappointed. It's not dominate that ass or purple monkey balls. Um, well, there's still time. There's still, I can always be purple it. monkey balls three. Yep. Yep. B- blue balls would probably be, be more, uh, my style, but yeah, it would be, uh, no, none, none of those are mine. Um, but uh, yeah, so 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 here I went straight zero RRB. I went five five receivers to, to start. And it doesn't even really matter. We don't even have to talk about the receivers, but more of the um, kind of the way you're going to form the, the, the team. So I took five straight receivers, and then I wanted to get a top quarterback because, again, when you're going to do that, like I could have gone six, seven, eight receivers, but I'm never going to get that right. You know what I mean? I'm going to start the wrong receivers every week and I'm going to, it's just not going to maximize my roster. So I can, I'm going to start four every single week. I've got a fifth there for bye weeks, injuries, matchups, whatever. And then you get start to get into your elite quarterbacks. I, I maybe should have popped in a tight end there, but I was just liking the way that the board was falling for the running backs. So you get Trey Sermon, potential number one running back there. Zach Moss, potential number one running back. Your guy, James Conner, but I got him in the middle of the ninth. Like that's where I love, love, love him. Um, so now I've got, you know, three potential running backs there. And then later on you get your James White, your pass catchers, your Gio Bernard pass catcher. I really like Gio Bernard this year. I don't know if you've been drafting him or, um, you know, he goes later on 14th, 15th. 
Like they brought him in. You know how Tom Brady loved the the, the James White style player. Um, you know, Leonard Fournette isn't some great pass catching receiver. I could see Gio Bernard getting a role there as the third down back and getting, you know, 70 catches. I know it might sound crazy, but that, that absolutely is in the realm of the possibility. So um, Mikol Harmon, I got there's my only other receiver that I took as a straight handcuff to Ty- Tyreek Hill. So yeah, that's how, like, if I'm going to do go zero RB, that's how I'm going to do it. Get a nice re- um, quarterback there to pair up with my Keenan Allen. I, I wanted Allen, uh, Josh Allen earlier uh, instead to pair up with Stefan Diggs, but um, I'm fine with Herbert. So th- that to me is how you really want to do a, a zero RB build. Um, what do you think, Mike? Do you have what it takes to go five straight receivers? I think I do. I think that some of it is always going to be what's happening around you. And yeah. in round two, like Diggs will often go pick 14 or 15 and you got them at pick 20. Yeah. yeah. So that's nice. And that sort of like sets you off on that path, I think. I can't believe you picked Connor. I feel so uh, <laughs> so betrayed. betrayed. <laughs> yes, I do like Bernard. I think that all makes sense. And the one thing, like they won the Super Bowl, and they have most of the same team, but one of the very few things they did not do well was catch the ball out of the backfield. Yep. And it wasn't for a lack of trying. Like They could not get either of those guys really going as a weapon in the pass game and also Keyshawn Vaughn. So I, I think sure. maybe there's a chance Bernard was brought in for that specific role, and he's kind of famously good at it. Um, and he's a veteran, and that works for Brady so and for Arians. You know, that's sort of – it's the right – I do think that has potential. You, you want to remember, and you did, that as you get late in these drafts, you're going to be cutting guys. Yes. And when I picked Wayne Gallman, we didn't talk about him, but in the last draft, I mean, that was early. He goes in round 19 here. I think I might have been 14 in my draft. I feel like with San Francisco, there's the Wilson injury and Gallman was decent for the Giants. Yeah. So you want to see what happens in weeks one or two. And then if you want to cut them, you can cut them. You're going to have to cut somebody. So if you had a perfect draft and you want to pick someone up, there's an opportunity. It can be really tough to know what to do. I mean, that's a, that's a good problem to have. So um, I, I like that idea. And I think Burita is interesting too. Even though the Bills, the running backs for efficiency have been not bad, there's still this sense that they're not good at that position. There was a lot of Travis Etienne buzz about Buffalo. And here's Breida, who if he can stay healthy, he's so fast, and maybe he gives them a thing that they think they need. And so we'll be able to tell right away if he's active, if they're healthy and he's active for the beginning of their season, that could mean something. Yeah, and I think it also too. So I have Zach Moss. So if like if Singletary were to go down, you know, now I've got the backfield. But even does that even matter, right? Like if you had Moss and Singletary last year, like who cares, right? Like they're they're so interesting, and I know you love this because the the Bills, you know, Zach Moss is the presumable starting running back. There is there a starting running back going later in the in these fantasy drafts? I know for no, like he's the like, and he, and they're one of the highest scoring, most prolific offenses in the, in the NFL and they don't use their running back. And that's fantastic. You know, we want him to throw, throw, throw. Um, so, you know, having Brita and Moss might, you know, if Singletary goes down, still might not matter, but, 
Um, you know, there's, there's an opportunity there and I know that they, they want to be more efficient running the ball. They don't necessarily want to run the ball more, which is great, which is great news. So, um, yeah, to me, it's about each team. And that's why projections, this is kind of off on a tangent, right? Why projections aren't uh, as important as, you know, maybe draft strategy in a sense, like, like what are we, like kind of back to Tony Pollard? What do you project that guy for? Like who, like nothing, like he's going to rank down at the bottom of your running back list, but it's about potential. It's about what can he do for your team? You know? So um, yeah, that's why uh, kind of taking these running backs in the later round, Ramondra Stevenson, uh, a guy I've been targeting late as well. He's a guy that just news just came out today that he's, you know, a better pass catcher than the Patriots thought he would be. And um, you know, that whole thing about taking the cheapest Patriots running back, you know, you can get him, you can get, you know, oh, uh, a guy I was looking at earlier, but, but Brian Hill, you know, he's a guy that that's in t- Tennessee, and the word in the street is he's the actual handcuff to to, to Derrick Henry, because uh, he's more of a downhill runner. Um, you know, you can get him undrafted. He went in the 18th round here, so there's so many running backs that if they fit your team build, um, you know, if you take running backs early in your draft, you don't necessarily need to take pass catching running backs later on because those high floors don't matter to you because you're not going to start them. Maybe you want to take guys and have a shot at being the number one running back on their team. Um, like a, like a, like a, like a Gus Edwards, for an example, you know, yeah. if you, if you go two or three running backs earlier, you wait, wait, wait. And then you take Gus Edwards. Cause if Dobbins goes down, now you've got the number one and they love Gus Edwards there. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, that's just kind of my thoughts on, you know, when to take running backs, what type of running backs to take. It all matters really on your team build. Yeah. Sometimes you sort of luck into, value from a goal line standpoint but as more and more quarterbacks can run and you see so many that are accounting for so many touchdowns i think that renders that less plus the more passing that's happening uh less likely i don't know who that would be this year to your to your sort of category here i think Devonte booker is a great name and it's interesting yeah. to see sort of the handcuffs go together here in a best ball draft with booker and Barkley together. You had Hubbard with McCaffrey on your other one. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you rather take someone else's like you did with Pollard in the last draft? And then just sort of, if there's an injury, if you lose McCaffrey, now Mike Davis was very effective last year. So that might be the counterpoint, but if you lose McCaffrey at one Oh one, I don't know, Adam, I feel like as good as Davis was, he wasn't the one Oh one. Sure. You know, and so if you have who, I mean, Cook or somebody, and then also last year's Davis or whoever it might be, Booker, if Barkley is not healthy. Booker, he's been a crush of mine for a couple of years <laughs> and just never really got the chance there. Philip Lindsay happened, and then Melvin Gordon and Booker has always been – well, he went to the Raiders, but he's always yeah. been sort of second fiddle. But I think he could be a player – but that's, that's most running backs. Just the opportunity is what will dictate it. Sure. Yeah, no, it's hard because I feel like I hate, and I've heard this before, and sometimes I fall into this too. And, and you know, we had Mike Leone on who talked about this as well. Um, you know, if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, my team, my team's dead. And I hate, you know, I know I do a million drafts, but I still, I hate the idea of just throwing a team in the dumpster because when I'm more pick got hurt, like, you know, Triba Hubbard, he's got potential. And I feel like, you know, if he can be an RB two, then maybe I can piece some stuff together, you know, but I mean, in reality, probably, but again, 
if I'm getting Chubba Hubbard in the 13th round, I mean, what am I really costing my team? Right. So um, if you, now if you have to go Zeke Pollard in the first and the eighth, that's a little bit more expensive. Um, and Pollard is an example of Pollard, maybe one of the few handcuffs that if, so if I have Zeke and I take Pollard, Pollard's one of the few guys that could do even better than Zeke. Like, I don't think I'm losing anything by Zeke getting hurt if I have Pollard. No. So I think that Pollard is an example of a guy that um, that is almost like a kind of a, a, a must have if you have Zeke, I think. But um, but yeah, I think for the most part, you're probably you're you're probably right that t- that handcuffing your own back isn't the way to go. But I just can't stand the Jared Smola tells me that all the time. Well, if someone so if Saquon gets hurt or if you know Kamara gets hurt, you're probably dead anyways. I, I just hate giving up on my team like that, but. Uh, it's probably right. Well, there's so many names. I mean, we're still only into June here, and there'll be mini camp this week and then training camp to figure out, but it's fun. Like, it's totally on. I mean, you've got uh, drafts happening all the time. There's that FFPC best ball format, the 125. Yeah. And so it sounded like the reaction to that was sort of, you know, not that – not that much reaction, not that excited, glad to have it, but, you know, maybe people thought they had enough on their plate. And then it opened up, and people have been running to it. Like, it's another way of just getting your fix here in the summer in a best ball format where you don't have to touch it after the draft. So I, I think it's just sort of a peak time uh, for the industry and for all the different levels and different forms of action you can find here. Mike, 10 p.m. tonight. There's two spots left in the in the, in the, in the, in the best ball tournament. See that that's the thing is I'm more of a live draft guy. Um, if these if the I got to be honest with you, if the best ball tournament was was filling as often as the football guys tournament was filling, I would be doing way more best way more of these because I just love the the live draft. I feel like you can get more value. People make more mistakes. It's more of a thrill, um, but they just don't fill as much as the football guys does. Um, and once so, they do fill, you have to be ready to go. Yes, correct. Correct. Well, so they have sit and goes, but they also have scheduled ones. So like there's, like I said, there's one tonight, 10 PM to two, two spots left, you know? So, um, that's there, there is different styles. I have the sit and goes, I got the slow, the slow drafts, but I just wish these, these live ones would fill as quickly as uh, the football guys, but uh, cause they're a third, a third of the price. Right. <laughs> so, right. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's uh it's a nice feature to have. Um, I've been waiting for them to do a lot of people waiting for them to do a best ball tournament like this for, for, for years. And I think maybe next year, maybe it'll catch on a little bit more, but I think from the sounds of it, they're doing, uh, they're doing pretty well. I mean, they've only got 3,800 spots left and they've got all summer to fill it. So they'll be good. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm glad to have it. It's one more thing to look at when you're sort of bored, whether that's, you know, noon on a Saturday or 3 a.m. on a Wednesday when you can't sleep. <laughs> Either way, just something that's else right. to do. That's right. So, good. All right, Adam, any uh, final thoughts? No, I think that's it. I love uh, that we're in here talking draft strategy, and we'll probably we'll do a bunch more of these uh, strategy talks uh, all throughout the summer. I'm excited to do the bare knuckle. Uh, we'll have to get last year's winner on, pick their brain. See how they see how you they know, get it. I didn't want to tell you before. I won last year. Did you? Well, yeah. perfect. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in with. The, I'm in with the right guy. I am yeah. so ready for that challenge. That is going to be fun to prepare for. Like that's the flight. Yes. 
Yeah, that's the flight. That's a twenty-eight round. Do just put the board up on a mock draft site somewhere, and you're not looking at anything. You're just looking out the window. Yep. Uh, yep. Be, that'll be really fun to test. I've had that idea. I've loved it. I cannot wait to sort of see that through. One more thing I needed to sort of take over my life here is that uh, bare knuckle. <laughs> That's right. So very good. Well, we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks and uh, hope to see everybody back here next Monday. We'll talk some more deep end strategy, have a guest for you and uh, try to help you just do your best this year in, uh, in fantasy football. So for Adam Krautwurst, I'm Mike Shope. Thanks for watching tonight. See you next week. See you guys.